0: If you have not received your Fusion curriculum, please get yours today. I'm assuming we'll have some more out on the table in the foyer if you did not not pick one of these up. This is what you need. As we go through all of our Sunday school classes and as we study together, they were coming in on Sunday mornings in our worship service and the, the sermon topic is going to be on the theme that you have been studying in Sunday school. So we're just trying to nail home one biblical theme, one topic every single week. Now with Fusion, it's changed a little bit. Our old curriculum, we studied the week prior to Sunday, and then we dealt with the topic on Sunday, and then we studied a brand new topic on Monday and came back in on Sunday and dealt with it. Well, Fusion has changed a little bit. Uh, On Sunday now, we're introducing a new topic, and then we're going to study it together uh, throughout the week. And then as we come in next Sunday, we'll be introducing another new topic, a new theme on that Sunday, and then studying that out throughout the week. So this is a very important piece of literature that you need. It's free. It doesn't cost you a thing, uh, but a little time and sacrifice, and it'll probably wind up costing you your life as you study and read. You'll hopefully and prayerfully give your life to the Lord completely uh, to Him. But we want everybody to have these, okay? So if you have not picked up your curriculum, we've got more for you. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask. Just let us know you need it, and we'll get that to you. very important part of your spiritual growth and development uh, that you get that and, and study and use. Use that. This week, our goal together as we're studying worship is simply this to worship God more deliberately, more deeply, and to live in keeping with our worship. We're going to try to unpack that topic a little bit, and we're going to unpack that theme and and, uh, deal a little bit with worship and really what that means and what that looks like and how we can implement that in our daily lives, Monday through Saturday, not just something we do on Sunday morning when we come together. I love Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11. The scripture says this, You, God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. You, God, created everything, and it's for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Guys, do you realize that? Do you realize that everything that God created, He created for Himself? He created everything so that it could bring Him Pleasure. Do you realize that He's created us as human beings? And we were created to bring pleasure to God. Through our lives, through the way that we live, through the way we act, the way we react, the places we go, the things we say, the things we're involved in, our lives should bring pleasure to the Lord think about that. Let that start soaking in just for a moment. And then I want you to ask yourself the question, are you bringing pleasure to God with your love? How many of you have children? Raise your hand. A lot of us in here, probably most of us in here have children. What is one of the greatest joys of a parent? One of the greatest joys, I'm going to answer this, keep you out of trouble, okay? One of the greatest joys of a parent is to watch their child. Just, just watch their child. Right? I mean, I remember when we first brought Tyler home from the hospital in 1990 and, and, we, and we laid him there in his crib and, and we would just go by the nursery and he didn't need us for anything. He would just lay in there, really didn't even know he was in the world. But there was great joy in just going into the nursery and just looking. That's our baby. And then we christened came. She never did lay in the crib. She's always squirming and going somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. She had far more energy than Tyler ever thought about having. But we found great joy in watching her. And then as they grow up and as they have different activities and as they're involved in school functions, whether it be a ball game or a band or a concert or or cheerleading or whatever the case may be, there's great joy that you find as a parent of just observing and watching your child. Guys, do you realize that's what God does for us? It pleasures Him just to watch us. Wow. That brings on a whole new meaning on how we should live our life. Knowing that God is paying attention. Matter of fact, the psalmist says that God never sleeps and He never slumbers. He's always working. The Bible teaches us a great doctrine about how He is omniscient. Which just simply means He's all-knowing. The Bible also teaches us another doctrine about He's omnipresent, which just simply means He's everywhere at the same time. The psalmist also mentioned about whether I ascend into the heavens or the depths of the hell, you are there. There's nowhere that God is not. Let that start sinking in a little bit. He is there in your life. Now, you may feel like God's a mile away. You may feel like he's a million miles away. You may feel like God doesn't care. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the greatest joy that our God gets in his existence is just simply watching you and observing you. I don't know about you, but when you start letting some stuff like that sink in, it kind of brings up your self-worth, does it not? I mean, there's people that struggle with low self-esteem, and there's people that struggle with inferiority complexes, but whenever you get an idea of who God is and how he created us, and by the way, there are no mistakes, there are no accidents, you're here for a purpose, you're here for a reason. I don't care how you were conceived, you are not an accident. That's a weak amen. I need a good, strong amen right there. Hello? Mom and dad made a man accident, but God didn't make an accident when he created you. He loves you. He cares about you. He you you are the reason that he created everything because he finds great pleasure in you. As we think about worship and I'm not even gotten into my five points here yet and I've got to hurry I know. But as we think about worship, you think about the truest form of worship on this earth. Where do you think it may have been? You mean you know let me tell you where it was? It was with Adam. It was with Adam and Eve. When God would come down in the cool of the day, the Bible says, and He would walk with them and talk with them and fellowship with them and interact in their lives, the truest form of worship had to take place right there. Because God was loving them and they made a choice to love Him back And they fellowshiped with Him. But guys, do you realize that worship is a choice? Worship is something you choose to do. On an individual basis. It's not something that just happens because you're sitting in a worship service. You see, you're not automatically going to connect with God and worship God just because you are in a worship service. The same way that you do not turn into a Big Mac when you walk into McDonald's. Hello? You can sit in worship services every day of the week and never really connect in true, genuine worship with God. Worship is a choice. Adam and Eve chose to walk with God, they chose to obey God, they chose to have a relationship with God. But then one day came when they chose not to. Hello? Now get this, this is good stuff. There was a day that came when they chose not to worship God. And it's when they disobeyed Him. And it's when sin entered into the world, so to speak. They were ev- eventually ejected or, or, or kicked out out of the Garden of Eden. There was a, a guardian angel that came and guarded the garden so they could not come back into the garden. Their worship now had been severed. But I want you to pay attention not only did their relationship with God cease, so to speak, because of the sin, but eventually their relationship with fellow man ceased. Because it wasn't long after Adam and Eve made the choice to reject God and no longer connect with Him in worship that Cain soon killed Abel you tracking with me? When they ceased to worship God, sin then started taking over in their life and brought them to a place that they thought they would never go, to where a brother would take the life of his own brother and kill him. Now we're thinking about how strong and how important worship is. You see, worship is a choice, and if you choose not to worship Him, if you choose not to give Him your love, if you choose not to live for Him, then there's only one other way, direction that you're going to go. You're going to go down the road of sin and self-destruction. And we see that Cain and Abel did that. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. One day, and it was our scripture reading this morning, it was a song we sang in the special. One day there was a man that came to Jesus. Said, Master, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Quickly, almost without even hesitating. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You see, what Jesus wanted to take place in the life of all of us even here today is that we would get in a right relationship with God and worship Him. And then when that takes place, then we can work on our relationships on a horizontal level and get in a right relationship with fellow man. But if the relationship with God is broken, there's no way the relationship with man can be restored. Now, people may coexist together, but I'm talking about living in the fullness of joy and happiness that only God can give. And guys, all of that comes in at worship. Matthew chapter 22 is our text again. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as as yourself. What do you think of whenever you think of worship? Whenever you think about worship, what comes to your mind? Maybe some of the images that we had on the screen. And there's one in the background there of some hands lifted up to God. Maybe that's what you visualize. Maybe worship for you is just singing. Maybe worship is some type of a ritual or or some type of communion or, or going to church. I want to tell you, worship really is none of those things. But I want to try to share with you five things that I think we can find in Scripture that will help us have a better understanding of what worship is. Number one, write this one down if you will, please. One, worship is my response to God's love. My response to God's love. Probably the best verse in the entire Bible that defines worship is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse number one. Romans 12 verse one. I think I put the scripture reference in your notes for you. You have to turn in your Bibles and see this. But in Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, listen to what the Bible says. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship. Wow. You know what worship is? Worship is simply just me presenting my body to God as a living sacrifice. Worship is sacrifice. It's me giving God my love. Listen, guys, worship is not rituals. Worship is not burning candles and incense. Worship is not simply just taking communion. Worship is not just coming to church. Worship is not just singing. Now all of those things I mentioned are okay, they're good, I guess they have their place. But I want you to see what, what worship is. Worship is giving my life to God. Worship is a living sacrifice. Now in the Old Testament days, they would bring a dead Sacrifice. They would get an animal of some sort. They would kill the animal. They would lay it on the altar and it would be there and it would be consumed. And that was a burnt offering, a a, a dead sacrifice that they would give to God. But in the New Testament, the day that we live in, this church age, the day of grace, God says, "I, I don't want a burnt, dead sacrifice any longer. I want a living sacrifice. I want you to give me yourself. Now here's the difference between a living sacrifice and a burnt or a dead sacrifice. You know what a living sacrifice will do when it gets too hot? It will start to crawl off of the altar of sacrifice. You see, you can make a decision today that I'm going to give my life to God and I'm going to sacrifice my life for Him and I'm going to give Him every single area of my life and I promise you, honey, as soon as you do that, God's going to test you. And he wants to know if you mean business or not. Is that what you want to do? Yeah, God. You know, we kind of get caught up in the moment. We get caught up in all the emotion and different things. And, and then we give our lives to God. God, here every part of my life I give you. He says, okay, I'm going to test you. I'm going to test you. And then he'll come through the different areas of our lives. Whether it be financial, whether it be emotional, whether it be relationships, whatever it may be. And He's going to test us. But the Bible says the greatest thing that we can do in worship or as an act of worship is give God our lives. So worship is just simply my response to God's love. The second thing I want you to see that worship is, worship is giving back to God. Worship is giving back. You see, He gives to us and we give back to Him. And whenever we give back to God, whenever you offer anything to God, I want you to know that's called worship. Somewhat of the same thought process, the same scripture that we've been reading already, but we also find it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, in verse number 30. It says, love the Lord with all your heart and your soul, your mind and your strength. I want you to see there's really three ways we, lo- we love the Lord, that we worship Him. We worship Him with our heart, with our mind and with our strength. But I want you to see, first of all, God wants me to love Him thoughtfully. He wants me to love Him with all of my mind. I want you to understand, worship, yes, it's in the heart. And yes, it's with strength. There's some practical aspects of worship. But I want you to understand, worship starts in the mind. Starts right here. Some people try to start right here, but it, it can't start right here. It has to start in the mind. You know what we need in the churches across America today? We need a spiritual renewal and a revival of the mind. Harold stole my thunder, but that's okay. I'm going right there. He's saying, preacher, hurry up. Let's get through this thing. Move on. (laughs) That's okay. I'm reading a good book right now by Stan Toler. If you don't have this book, you need to get this book. You can buy it on his website. Go to stantoller.com. Super wonderful man. Pastor's out in Oklahoma City. Pastor is a uh, Nazarene church out there. S- been a good friend of mine for many years. We email each other occasionally and chat back and forth. And if I've got an issue I'm struggling with as a pastor, I'll shoot Stan an email and he always responds back. And super guy. But this is his newest book out. It's called Rethink Your Life. The premise of this book, the thesis, if you will, is simply this. The things that we think on. Matter of fact, it talks about in the book how we need to have a detoxification of the mind. You're going to have to agree with me. We're on information overload in our day, are we not? I mean, good night. When do we ever let the mind rest? If you're like me, sometimes I'm like... I just don't want to hear a cell phone. I don't want to see an iPod. I don't want to see a computer. I don't want to hear a TV. I just want to go somewhere and be quiet. Hello? Now Those places are becoming harder and harder to find. But guys, we've got to guard our mind. Why? Get this. Here's the premise of the book. Our thought life creates habits. Okay? Habits or creates actions. Actions create Habits and habits create lifestyles. Let me say that again. Our thought life creates actions. What we think about, we eventually do. Our thought life creates actions. Actions turn into habits, and habits eventually are who you are as a person. It's the lifestyle that you live. And I think one of the, and I'm kind of on this spiritual renewal of the mind type thing right now. I'm trying to really guard what I, what I watch, what I see, and what I hear, what I read, more so what I read and hear. You know, Really, I'm trying to do this because I want my actions to be pure. I want to I react and act in the proper way. And we all need a spiritual revival of the mind. If you don't have this book, you need to get it. Matter of fact, as soon as I finish with it, if you want to borrow it, I'll be glad to, to loan it to you. But get it. Because the Bible says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. Thoughts become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become lifestyles. And remember, God wants a living sacrifice. He wants your life. He wants you to live for Him. That's what worship is. Let me go on. Number three. Worship also is focusing my attention on God. Just simply focusing my attention on God. It's focusing my mind. It's focusing my thoughts. It's focusing my, my attention completely on God. Now, there are some um, religions out there that they teach. Whenever you get into worship, we want you to put your mind in neutral. And just kind of let it float through the universe. And wherever it lands, embrace that thought. Now, Believe it or not, we laugh at that, and I laugh at that, and I kind of joke as I kind of go through this thing. I'm thinking, how ridiculous. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people that connect in that kind of stuff. You know, they, they wrap themselves up like a pretzel. I mean, they stick their leg behind their head and stick their right toe in their left earlobe, and so to speak, and they're hung in neutral, embrace whatever thought comes, That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Let me tell you why. Because we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. And there's demonic spirits and fallen angels and demons. And I'm not going to get into all this kind of stuff. But they're in the heavenlies and they're having this warfare. Matter of fact, if God could somehow remove the scales from our eye and let us see the battle that's taking place right now in the heavenlies over this worship service would probably scare us to death. And when you let your mind go in the neutral and start embracing that stuff, it's dangerous. That's not what God's teaching in His Word. He says that we are to engage our minds. And that takes work. Now, how many of you ever prayed on autopilot? I mean, you know, you get the family around the dinner. Oh, God, thank you for the day. da 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 da, da. And everybody around the table can recite that prayer for you. Huh? We all know Matter of fact, we're all guilty. How I many is guilty of that? Raise your hand. I'm guilty of that too. You know, it's autopilot praying. Oh, God, da da, 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 da. that's just our duty. Do our thing. We've got to pray. Da, da 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 You know what, guys? That's really not worship. That's really not connecting with God. We've got to engage our minds. Hello? Are you with me? We've got to focus our attention on God. Now, how many of you ever zoned out in a worship service? I know you don't when I'm preaching. When Brother Daniel's up here, you probably do, don't you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we do, don't we? We kind of zone out. Why? It takes work. We've got to focus our attention on God. Psalm 139 and verse 1 through 3 says this, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways you know what we've got to do we've got to just decide that we're going to focus our attention on God you see one thing I like to do is give you some practical steps to live out your Christian life and I want us to practice matter of fact I want us to practice right now let's for the next three minutes or so right now Let's just focus our attention on God. Now, I've got a little worship video I'm going to play. But while this video is playing, I want you to engage. I don't want you to put your mind in neutral. I don't want you to fall asleep. I don't want you to think about what's going to happen after service is over. I want you to right now to engage your mind. And I want you to focus on God.
1: Okay, let's do that as we play this video.
0: Worship, focusing my attention on God. And guys, that's what you need to do every single day. Let me give you number four, and let's move through these. Number four, worship is expressing my affection to God. Expressing my affection to God. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John 4 19. It says, we love because he first loved us. You see, a lot of times in a lot of different religions out there, God is this angry tyrant. That has to be appeased. I mean, he's this angry God that needs to be avoided. A kind of God that you need to run from. A kind of God that you need to be afraid of. Let me tell you, our God loves us. And what we need to do is express our affection back to him. Now, there's some things that tick him off short. Sure, we can see that all through scripture. Some things that he gets angry about. But I want you to know that he loves you. And the greatest thing that you could ever know in love. God loves you. There's not one thing you can do to make Him love you any more. There's not one thing you can do to make Him love you any less. You are the object of His love. And guys, there's been a lot of people that have messed up their life. But the greatest message, the greatest news that I can ever tell them, and I love to share it with them, it doesn't matter what you've done, God loves you. Still, He loves you. The greatest thing you can know is that He loves you. I love the scripture over in Romans chapter 8, and verse 35 and following. It says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, get this now, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The greatest news that we can ever receive in this life, the greatest piece of knowledge that we can ever have is that God loves us. But what's our response to that? The greatest thing we could ever do in life is to love Him And live for him and express our affection to him. You see, that's what God wants from you. He wants you to give him your life and love him back and express your affection to him. He wants you to have that desire in your heart to live him and to live for him and to love him and to serve him. Not out of duty, not out of rituals, but out of a heart that truly loves him. Just think, if you will, guys. Help me out right here. Ladies, you think about this. What do you think my wife would say? If one day I came home from the office and I had a big bouquet of flowers and I take those flowers and I say, here. And I give her those flowers. And she says, well, why did you give me those flowers? Well, number one, I'm your husband. Okay? We got married so many years ago. I'm your husband. Today's our anniversary. All men are supposed to do this. Here. Now, Ladies, honey, do you think that would be received very well? She doesn't want my duty. Hello, ladies, come on, you would be a good elbow right here for the old man. Kind of just help me out here. She don't want me to do things for her because I'm supposed to do things for her. She wants me to do it because I love her and I care and I'm really thinking about her. God's, God's the same way. He doesn't want your rituals. And I know that may offend some people, but He doesn't want your rituals. Hello? He's not concerned about your religion, He's not concerned about your candles and your incense. Hello? Are you with me? You want to hear the truth? He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to love Him back. You are the object of His love. He's done everything for you. He gave His Son to die on the cross for you. All He wants you to do is live for Him. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you've told God, God, I love you? And when's the last time you've told God, thank you? That's what He wants. That's what worship is. That's the practical side of worship. But so many times we think the only way we can worship is come in here on Sunday morning, set the band up, set the choir up, get the microphones up. Now we can worship. Hogwash. I mean, I enjoy all that stuff as much as you do. But if that's all the the only time we can worship, we're going to be some sick puppies. We need more than that. Worship is what I do every single day. Worshiping is focusing on God. It's expressing my affection to Him for all the wonderful things He's done for me. I'm just looking back to God and I'm saying, God, thank you. Thank you. I recognize, the Bible says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. I'm recognizing, God, that I'm the object of your love. You're pouring out blessings on me. Thank you, God. That's what He wants. By the way, parents, what warms your heart more than anything? To hear a child come up and say, Mom, Dad, I just, want, just thank you for all that you do. And really, just thank you. I mean, that's really what we want. But we don't want it out of duty. We want it out of a heart that really feels love. And that's what God wants from us. Hello? Man, that's some good stuff. And this stuff will help you if you put it into practice. Number five, and i got to stop. Worship is using my abilities for God. Worship is using my abilities for God. You see, guys, there, was, there may have been a time early on in my marriage and maybe even in your marriage where just a simple I love you and a kiss on the cheek, that was all she needed. Man, that's my man. Yeah, he just loves me. And that may still work. But you know what? One of the greatest ways that I can show my wife that I love her is to care for her and meet the needs in her life. Hello? I mean, maybe there's something that needs to be fixed around the house. Maybe there's a leaky water spigot that she's asked you guys for months to fix, and you blow it off. You know the message you're sending there? That's not that important. You're not that important. Deal with it. Now, sometimes just using our abilities to fix things around the house or using our... Hey, guys, when's the last time you ever got up from the dinner table and said, honey, you prepared this wonderful dinner. Why don't you go lay down on the the recliner? I'll take care of the dishes tonight. You know what that does? It expresses love. And you know what God wants us to do? More than just say, oh, God, I love you, which is good. We need to tell him we love him. We need to thank him. But He wants us to use our abilities for Him. Now look around in our church. We've got a lot of people working. Matter of fact, it is, it's an imperative that everybody works in our setup that we are now. And, and we've got a lot of people working. But you know what that really is doing? That's using our abilities. For God, that tells God we love Him. There's many of you that are stepping up and teaching. Some for the very first time here at Victory Church. And you know what you're doing? That's an act of worship. That's using your abilities. Now we can take that. Matter of fact, I love this verse of Scripture. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, and this is how the message paraphrased. listen to what it says. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Guys, that's where the rubber meets the road. When you go on your job tomorrow morning, be the best worker on the job. Be the best Air Force guy, Air Force lady. Whatever it is that you do, be the very best one in the office or out in the workplace or in the school system. Be the very best one. Why? Because I'm doing that for God. I'm taking the ordinary, everyday stuff that I do, whether it's taking out the garbage or it's teaching a class to someone or it's teaching out a college, whatever it is. I'm doing that for God. You know what that is? That's worship. So I want you to see all these different ways that we can worship the Lord. And I want to ask you a question Have you been worshiping Him? It's more than just singing, it's more than just coming to church. It's giving Him our love and living for Him every single day in our actions, in our reactions, in our words in our thought life, everything, giving it to him. Are you doing that? Because that's worship. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. This week, we're going to be studying worship all week long. And I just wanted to try to give you some practical steps that could help you tomorrow morning To be able to worship God on the job In the home With your family With your neighbors The greatest thing you can ever know Is He loves you The greatest thing you could ever do Is love Him back And give Him your life And when you do that I promise you He will bless you You see there's some of you here Probably that just need to you need to take your wheel, your hands off the steering wheel. Matter of fact, you're probably the ones that have the bumper sticker on your car that says, God is my co-pilot. Well, there's a problem with that. You're still leading. You're still piloting your life. Y'all just, if, if you have that bumper sticker, I don't know if anybody does, but if you do, you need to take your Sharpie and just cross out, "co." God's my pilot. He's leading my life. He's directing my life because I have given him my life. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. I want you to know that's the greatest decision you'll ever make in life. So, right now, we just simply pray and say, Dear God, forgive me. I've sinned. I believe you love me. You died on the cross for me. You were buried. You rose again. And I just give you my life. And I ask you to come into my heart and in my life and lead and God and direct me and help me to live for you. Maybe you're here today and you've already prayed a prayer like that, but you evaluate your life and you see where you are and you realize, hey, man, I've gotten off track. My life really isn't pleasing unto God. Why don't right now you just rededicate, recommit your life to Christ, give it to Him, give Him everything. Maybe you need to pray a prayer like this. Just say, God, forgive me. I've taken hold of the will of my life. and I give it back to you at this moment. Father, forgive me. Right now, I give you every single area of my life. Take my life and help me to live for you heads are still bowed and eyes closed and our deacons and their wives are going to be making their way to the back and they'll be there for you. If you need someone to pray with you or you need help and you need encouragement or whatever it is that you may need, these people care about you. You wouldn't believe how many meetings we sit in and they bring up you and your family and pray over you and think about you and they care about you. So if you need help in praying this morning, they're there for you. Whatever your need is today, I ask you to give it to Jesus. Father, we commit this invitation to you. We turn it over to you now. Father, I have done the very best that I know how to do in preparation and delivering. And now I stand dependent on the Holy Spirit of God to take the words that have been spoken and penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. let's all stand if you will please we're going to sing this song of invitation if you need to respond i'm going to ask you to step out of your seat go to the back here we go